Ari. I am so excited that we're doing this. Um, I guess we could call this episode one of Startup Life Uncensored. And then just as a reminder to provide some context, this idea came up when you and I were chatting recently about all the crazy shit that we've experienced working at early stage startups. So much. So much. And we were just saying, how fun would it be to just talk about it and record it and hear each other's stories and remind each other of all the chaos? And on the flip side, we were thinking, people might actually learn something from this. <laughs> so here we are. I'm so excited to get started and thanks so much for being here. Of course, I've been looking forward to this, honestly, Ari, all week. Like this is gonna be the highlight of my week because it's, it's conversations that we literally have all the time, like catching up on what's going on in each other's life. So this is gonna be fun. Yay, I'm so excited. Um, awesome, so just to get us started, I know we both worked at the same company for several years, but had very different experiences. To kick it off, I want you to just kind of share how you started working at that first startup and what your interview process was like. Yeah, so I actually started my career um, in a completely different industry. Like right after college, I honestly just wanted to pay bills. So I took the first job that I could take, which was for a regional bank. And I did that for about six years before I decided, I don't know if I want to do this for the rest of my life. Like this is kind of old school industry is very much about like you got to pay your dues it's all about seniority they don't really like reward people who are rock stars so it was not very motivating to be there so i i just thought to myself like man what else could i be doing and i'm from the bay area so a lot of my friends were up in the bay just working on really really cool like products like actively disrupting like their industry so i'm like i want to do that you know i want to work with younger people like i don't want to no offense work with like geezers <laughs> and talk about their financial goals like I want to work with young people so I was like where can I work on something where to impact a ton of young people I'm like tech company tech startup so I started like just searching online trying to look for a job and I found a company and it's ironically the same company we met at but the mission was very much a blend of technology and restaurants which those are kind of my, my two favorite things food and technology. So I thought, well, why not blend these two worlds together? I really fell in love with the mission. So I started obsessively looking at their careers page. Couldn't find like a transferable role from what I was doing in finance, which was more like business development, but saw a lot of sales roles. And I saw a role for SDR role, which at the time, I didn't know what the hell SDR was. It just <laughs> said it was entry level. And I thought that had to be you know, the easiest way in the door. And I thought to myself, like, sales, come on, like, who can use sales? I'm like, I could do that, probably. I took a look at the job description, saw that it required cold calling. I was like, never done cold calling before, but I think I could do it and decided I'm just going to apply and see what happens. So I actually got an interview request like two days later. Um, I was actually part of an all day like sales interviewing blitz, which are if you don't know what that means, it's basically, they like crowd us all in like cows. They herd us in and it's all day like back-to-back -back interviews because they're trying to fill like a certain number of like sales positions. So I went through a quick interview process with the VP of sales at the time and then the VP of outside sales and their inside sales manager. And within two days, like I got a job offer because they were looking to move quick, which as you guys will find out soon on companies 
especially in the tech space, like to move really quickly. Totally. Oh my God. I love the cattle analogy. That's so funny. It gives you such a visual. <laughs> what was it. your interview experience like? And how, how'd you get started there? Yeah. I so heard the full story. It was like a million years ago. Um, so I, it's actually so funny. And like being from LA, you know, people always say it's about who you know, but the small world stories are really insane. So I had a job that I hated. I quit after two weeks. I had had my first panic attack and was like, this is not for me. While I was in that job for two weeks, I met somebody who would become one of my closest friends and maid of honor. And so I was at her house for dinner one night. She was having a dinner party. And I was talking to this group of people about how I had an interview the next day at some tech company um, to do their event planning because my background was in hospitality and events. And so one of her um, childhood friends who was at this dinner party said, that's so funny, my office is right next door. So when you're done with the interview, come over and we'll have a conversation. It was like, okay. So went to the first interview, which by the way, both of these offices were located in warehouses in an alley in Venice, which is like quintess life. Meanwhile, I'm in the alley on the phone with my mom, like, mom, should I go inside? She's like, do you feel safe? Like it was so sketchy. Um, so I went to the first interview, awful, not what I wanted, went next door, ended up meeting with this guy and this casual conversation turned into an interview. And there was, it was, like I said, it was a warehouse. There was a loft. The only piece of furniture in the loft was a couch. And so both of the co-founders were sitting on the couch and I'm pretty sure I was either sitting on the floor or like on a box, like that was our formal interview room. And I remember they, the, one of the co-founders was asking me a bunch of like traditional questions. I was answering them the best I could. And then the other co-founder, he went to the other co-founder and said, do you have any questions for her? And he said, and this is the only thing he said the whole day. He goes, yeah, I have one question. Do you make your bed every day? And I panicked. I was like, this is a trick question. This is a test. Oh my God, what are they looking for? And I was like, yeah, of course I make my bed every day. It's how I start my morning and blah, 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 bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. I definitely did not make my bed every day at the time, but I told him I do, I do now. Um, and then within hours, like I was literally on my way home, got a phone call that I got the job and I realized, oh, they just needed a warm body. Like I was literally just a body with <laughs> a decent brain and that's why I got the job. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I started there. And I had nothing, I had no experience in tech. I had no idea what startups were. Like it was such a blessing, but I went in there totally blind. That's so crazy. What are the chances that, you know, after that blotched interview that you went to next door, there's ironically another tech company in the house next door. It's that crazy. has to be serendipitous. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I think that some things in life happen for a reason. And the fact that I went to that job, hated it, made a friend who introduced me to this person. I mean, it's crazy how things happen like that. Yeah, I know for me transitioning into a tech startup, there were so many adjustments I had to make. Like I came from a very like corporate structured setting to something that's completely the opposite earlier stage, like tech startup company. So I know I had to go through a lot of different growing pains. Like I'm curious, I'm sure everyone's kind of dying to know, you know, what was one of your worst days? And also on the flip side, so we could add some positivity, like what was one of your best days? 
one of the worst days was it had to do with one of my managers. So I had started as an entry level account manager and then um, started the customer support department. I was a team of one. And then after a little while, it was a team of like three, maybe. And the execs told me that they were bringing in somebody to be my boss. My first reaction was like, what the hell? I've created this from nothing. And then on the other side, I was like, great. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'd love to learn from somebody. And so they brought somebody in who was friends with one of the co-founders and had experience. And so I was like, great, I'll give them a shot. We worked together for about a year and we had a really great working relationship. I kind of looked at him as more of a mentor than a manager because he didn't really have any negative feedback or constructive feedback to give me, but he really helped me gain my confidence as a first time manager. Um, but yeah, we had a great relationship. We were super open and honest with each other. He was a new dad and would talk to me about his family. I was in the middle of planning my wedding, so I would vent to him about that. And it was just really a relationship based on trust. And so um, I had told him later on in our working relationship, you know, I'm feeling like I'm capable of doing more. You've told me that there aren't going to be many opportunities for me to grow in this role. And so I think I should start looking elsewhere, but I have so much loyalty to this team. I don't want to leave them hanging. And that's the only reason why I'm not actively interviewing. And he said, you need to do what's best for you. Don't worry about the team. I've got them covered and taken care of. Um, so I started looking for other jobs and maybe about a week or two after that conversation, I noticed he started getting pulled into a bunch of meetings with the executives and I didn't know what was going on. And there was one day in particular where he wouldn't make eye contact with me. He wouldn't look at me. I saw him get, he walked out of a meeting in one of the execs office and then I got pulled into that meeting and they let me know that he was quitting and he gave his notice and I felt totally blindsided. In retrospect, it was totally a blessing because you know, if he hadn't left, I don't think I would have gone from entry level to director of an international department in four or five years. It was definitely an eye-opening experience, but when it happened, that was just a real crappy day. My worst days at the same like company, and I actually, two comes to mind. Um, one, when I was just an individual contributor, when I first started as an SDR, I just remember being so overwhelmed already in the role because it was such a transition. I had never done cold calling before and it's intense. I mean, we essentially were trained for two days and they just threw us out in, in the floor pit and said <laughs> the most experience you're, yeah, the most experience you're going to get is on the phone. So like, go figure it out. And literally, I just remember one and a half months into the role. I came in one morning, a little bit late, a little like past my normal time. And I just remember it was so quiet in the floor pit with my team members. And, you know, one of them looked at me like with wide eyes like this. And he was like, kind of like nudging towards that desk. I'm like, what? And he was like, this, this motion. I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> Next thing I know, we get pulled into the, a meeting 10 minutes later. And I find out that like four of our peers were just cut, mm. just cut. And the explanation was like, you know, we kind of overhired. We expected you guys all to produce the same results and that wasn't the case. So our bad, essentially what we did was we just picked the four bottom lowest performers. And I just remember leaving that meeting afterwards, calling like one of my best guy friends, Susan Sales, like just terrified, completely shitless. I think I opened the call with like, 
what the fuck is this what you guys do in sales like it immediately freaked me out because Ari you gotta imagine I came from somewhere where it was like pretty stable I don't think I ever seen anyone get fired during that time I was there to all of a sudden like one and a half months into this role four people get cut so like from that day on I just remember it just lit this fire underneath my butt to never ever be at the bottom Mm -hmm. if anything like I was like I can't even be middle of the pack. I need to be at the top just to be extra safe. So I just remember that being like such a terrifying day, especially having just started a completely new role in a completely like new industry. Well, that'll put you in survival mode. Completely. But it was kind of a blessing in disguise because from that point on, I was just very motivated to be at the top and I did just that. So because of that success, I was very fortunate that I got promoted to lead and manage the the team in a little under a year. And I just remember like, wow, I recognize that I wouldn't have gotten this opportunity if I was still in the finance world. I'll probably be like spinning my wheels for the next two decades before I got that opportunity. But there are just so many different challenges that came with being like a frontline manager, as I'm sure you remember too. But I just remember one of them that just stands out. And that was like just being, you know, in sales, you have to change strategy and course dependent on like how the business is doing. And with that comes obviously changing quotas and changing commissions. With that came changing the commission plan. And, you know, our VP of sales, he was really like the one that had the analytical mind that kind of designed all that. And we had a goal of like presenting it to the team like the following week. So after he created that comp plan, he decided to take that Friday off just to like relax and get an early start on the weekend. And I just remember hearing whisperings that my team had found out about this comp plan. And they actually planned to bombard me and our inside sales manager in a meeting and confront us about it. And they did just that. (laughs) Ari, I can't even I can't even tell you how overwhelmed I felt because A, I didn't even understand that commission plan yet because our VP of sales wasn't there to explain that to us yet. So here we are like with all our reps like surrounding us with essentially imagine like pitchforks in their hands, like just demanding to know like what the change was and how this would affect their compensation. And money is such a personal thing. The second someone feels like you're taking money out of their pockets, like people get fired up. And I just remember like sitting in that room feeling like crap. I couldn't say much because I didn't understand the plan. And essentially our director of inside sales, he had to do most of the talking and it was such a crappy feeling because the reality is when you change commission plans at some point, yes, the plan does lean more in favor of the company because really realistically i mean the company has to keep being like profitable in order for like everyone else to maintain a job so that was the reality and here he was trying to like just spin it in a way where it was like not that and i knew it was and it was such a crappy crappy feeling especially with so many of these people like being on my team and having to have like this conversation with them and i just remember that being such an awful day in the leadership perspective. And so, I mean, it seems like you were the one who didn't put this in place. You didn't even fully have an understanding of what it looked like, yet you were expected in your leadership role to represent it and stand behind that, which I also find is something very common for leaders at companies to do, where sometimes you don't necessarily agree with everything happening on an executive level, but you got to be the one to enforce it. How do you navigate that in, or how did you navigate that in that meeting? How did you kind of 
save face. Yeah, I think it's um, taking a step back and like trying to understand like the big picture and helping the team also understand that, hey, I get in this moment, like this is frustrating because it looks like it's not in favor of you guys and that you guys are making less money. And you're right, at some point it is true. Like you will be making less money on this, but I want you guys also to focus on big picture, which is you're not going to be in this role forever. And that's kind of the beauty of like being at a startup. And I was trying to highlight to them like my own story where if you're successful you can get promoted to the next role like pretty quickly because the reality is like with these younger startups like they grow very rapidly and if you could prove that you have a successful track record you're going to earn that opportunity to do that so I was just honestly trying to remind them of the bigger picture which is you're not going to be in this role for eternity and also if you plan on being in an SDR role for two plus years, I'll literally slap you because you <laughs> should be striving for more. I love it. I love it. And I love that it's so clear that as a leader, you really put a heavy emphasis and value on vulnerability and transparency, which I think personally are some of the most important characteristics of a leader. So that's awesome. I also find it so funny that you and I both experienced some of our worst days that ended up turning into blessings in disguise. Uh, what was one of your best days? Oh man, there are honestly a lot of good days. It's part of the benefit of being part of a sales team, right? Where your goals are super quantifiable. So you know if like you killed it in a month or not. But I think one of the best days was honestly when I was managing the SDR team and we decided to partake in this competition called the SDR Wars, which was a competition that some company in the Midwest is putting on to just try to like create more spotlight on sales development teams. And essentially they asked like 16 different companies to play in kind of like a March Madness competition style um, competition where we would battle each, each uh, company every day for that week in a competition. And essentially like our team won like I was so surprised because when I first asked them if they wanted to participate in this competition, they were pumped. So I was like, okay, let's be conservative in our goal. Like if you guys can make like top eight, you guys will get like this prize. I think it was like lunch somewhere. And of them being like super competitive, of course, asked like, well, well, what would happen if we made final four or top two or win the whole damn thing? I was like, well, if you guys win the whole damn thing, I'll take you guys out to dinner at, what's that Italian restaurant in Marina Del Rey? Scopa. We go to all, there we, there <laughs> we are, Scopa. So I literally just like blurted that out of my mouth. I was like, if you guys win the whole damn thing, I'll take you to dinner on Scopa on, on the company's dime. And they're like, okay. And that was enough like motivation to feel them to like win the whole damn thing. I had never seen the team more motivated. And all it took was like dangling some free, expensive Italian food in front of them. That's so funny. It's so, I mean, I know that like food is one of the quintessential startup perks, but like it goes a long way. It does. Like free food? Oh my gosh. Yes. It might be the Asian in me, but like anything free, I'm like, give it to me. I feel you. I feel you. It's funny when I think about one of my best days, it had to do with one of the people on my team. So 
there was a girl on my team back when the support team was maybe like five or so people. And she was always at the bottom when it kind of came to her performance and her numbers. She just wasn't hitting what she needed to hit. She was very sensitive. She would take things personally, whether it was constructive feedback for me or talking on the phone with upset clients. And as you know, in support, sometimes you get to be the emotional punching bag of a company. So for someone who's super sensitive, it's a really tough position to be in. Um, and so I had worked with her for maybe about six months and it was lots of tears. I mean, at this point, I knew that anytime I had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with her, I had to schedule it in a room where I knew there was a Kleenex box <laughs> because there were just- Oh my gosh. I know. But I just felt like there, she had so much potential and I just, there was something about her where I was like, this is, this doesn't feel like this is a forever thing. Like, I don't think it's worth giving up. And so we worked really closely together for about six months. And after having really tough conversations and lots of check-ins, by the end of the six month period, she was our top performer. She completely turned it around. She got really competitive with people. She was almost always at the top of her game. She was just like cranking it out. Her numbers were incredible. Her phone quality was amazing. And she was just at the top of her game. And I remember having a meeting with her around that time. And I said to her, you're killing it. You are at the top of your game. You've come so far what do you want next? I'm curious, like, and how can I help you get there? And mm -hmm. I remember, I remember she said, you know, there's this, this idea of a role that I have and it doesn't exist, but I feel like it could be helpful. But like, and she hadn't put a lot of thought into it, but she was like, that seems like it'd be a cool job. And it was a managerial job and it made sense. Um, and it didn't exist at the time. And so I went and had a conversation with one of the executives. And I think it was probably within like three or four weeks the role was created, she had interviewed for the role, and she got the role. And she's been in that role for years, is running a team now, and I just remember the day that I found out she got that job, I felt like proud mama bear, and I remember thinking at that time, how do I make this a career? Just having one-on-ones with people, helping them figure out what their goals are, are putting them on track to help you know, accomplish those goals and get what they want and then feel the sense of pride. How do I make that a career? And I would like roll my eyes at myself. Little did I know that's coaching. <laughs> so yes. I am now full circle, but I just remember that feeling of watching somebody I work with succeed. It was an absolute high. And I would say that was the best day. And in retrospect, I think it was a big inspiration for the career steps I've taken. That's so great. I mean, part of being like a leader is being involved in like your direct reports like development and it's such a fulfilling feeling i just remember when i transitioned from being an individual contributor to a leader i honestly thought i would kind of miss that thrill of the sale or the thrill of the close but that was actually like replaced with the thrill of, of helping someone achieve their goal so very much aligned with like your story. It's like always so much fun to see someone kind of like grow and develop within their role. And I mean, you and I both have grown a ton within our time there, like from being individual contributors, to like growing into a leadership path. Like I'm sure many people out there will want to know, like, what is the secret sauce to growing quickly in a startup? It's funny. It's maybe it seems basic, but I feel like I've got the secret sauce and I'm convinced that if people do this, they will get promoted. At least it worked for me. And it's this idea of 
never coming to your boss with a problem unless you have a proposed solution. I know from being in a manager or a director level role, when I would have people come to me and say, Ari, this doesn't work. I'd be like, okay. And they'd be waiting for an answer. I'm like, well, how do you want to fix it? And like people would get frustrated. But I remember being in an individual contributor role and wanting to grow. When I was hitting my numbers, I would go to my boss and say, hey, I've identified this issue. Here's my proposed solution. Here are the resources I need. Here's how long it will take. All you have to do is say yes or no. And to make your boss's job easy where they literally don't have to think, I mean, it's a game changer. I remember in my more recent role, I had somebody on my team who would slack me a light bulb, like an idea, and then she would be typing for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, here we go. There's gonna be an idea here. And she would have the most beautifully thought out solutions to problems. And I would say maybe 50% of them were good, but not feasible. 50% of them were incredible. And she went ahead and did them and it got her excited. She ended up getting all of this additional experience that she didn't have. And she was helping out the department and she was looking like a rock star. She's been promoted twice in less than two years and is at the top of her game. And she's now a first time manager, but it's like, those are the people who are going to stand out. So long story short, come with proposed solutions and make it easy for your boss to say yes or no. I would completely vouch for that. That would be my dream rep right there. You guys would be top performers on my team because I'm constantly looking for people who have that proactive versus reactive mindset. In one of my one-on-ones, actually, I constantly ask the team, like, what would you start, stop, keep doing yeah. in this org? And it's those ideas that if you think beyond your role, whenever I look for someone like to be promoted to the next role, ideally that person is already doing the responsibilities of, of that role. You don't yes. wait until that title is available to do something like you're already doing it. So it becomes like a no brainer that I would point at you and go like that person should be promoted to a manager because they're already coaching the team. They're already giving like feedback. They're already coming up with ideas on how to improve the overall like performance of the team. I love that. I mean, the, the woman that you work with sounds like a dream, a dream. to work with. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah. What was your, what would you say your like nugget of tips would be to kind of grow quickly? Because again, you and I both started in entry level roles and within a couple of years, we're in leadership positions, which is not necessarily the norm, but there's got to be a secret sauce there. Yeah. Honestly, I would say like one of the biggest things is adaptability because like being a part of a, a tech startup, things can change really quickly and you need to have the ability to process that and move on quickly. I think oftentimes people get stuck and they get upset over like, well, why did this change? Like, I don't understand. I'm like, instead of spending that time moping about it, like let's move on and figure out how to make it work in this sense. Cause that's part of the fun. That's part of like the growing pains of working for a younger company is you get to be involved in helping build it as yeah. well as contribute ideas. So if you think something isn't working greatly, like share that. And I think that honestly led to, you know, part of my success at that company. When I transitioned from being an individual contributor and manager, one of the gaps that I identified was that, hey, we don't really have a development program for SDRs to move into an AE role, which for those of you in the sales world, those are two completely different roles. There's a reason why they're segmented. 
so one of the ideas I had was we need to come up with a development plan. So some type of transition to help our top performing SDRs move into a role where they're actually carrying a huge quota on their back. And honestly, I presented that idea to my boss in a one-on-one and he's like, great, now execute. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm on it. And I think that's one of the biggest things. It's like, to your point, come with the idea, have the plan on how to execute it and then do it. Cause you're gonna learn the quickest way by just doing, by failing, by making mistakes, and also like learning from those and iterating on it. Absolutely. I remember having a conversation a couple years back with my cousin who I didn't even realize at the time was a professional coach. (laughs) And so she actually has been a big inspiration in my career. And I remember years ago telling her when I was at that company, you know, I'm thinking about leaving. She said, why? I said, well, I actually want to start doing this other thing. I really want to get into the world of professional development coming up with career paths and creating fantastic company culture and the things I was doing in that role, but that wasn't the main focus. And she said, before you leave, hear me out. If you're in a role that's not really hard for you, you can kind of do it in your sleep, you're not feeling challenged and you want new experiences, take a look at your dream job description look at the requirements needed for that role and utilize your current role where you already have respect and street cred to gain those experiences so that when you actually do leave, your resume is golden and you have all of that experience. So kind of like what you were saying, don't wait for your dream job to start executing on your dream job. Every time somebody would come to their manager or you or me and say, I have this idea of this thing I want to do that has nothing to do with my job, but here's how it'll help. That's gold for your resume. Those are skills that you add on there, regardless of your role, to help you get to the next level. It's a game changer. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And like talking about like, you know, prepping your resume for like that next role, I'm sure you've hired a ton of people when you were at that company for, for your team. What can candidates do to get like your attention to stand out from from the crowd because you know there's a lot of people that want to work at these companies especially now given everything that's going on like so how can they like grab your attention Ari? Totally um I have a couple things and a couple (laughs) this seems basic but I have a big red flag no-no anytime I would ask somebody why do you want to work here and they would say I just love startups I'm like cool what do you love about them so much Don't immediately go into the perks. Don't say, oh, I love that there's unlimited PTO and I love that there's snacks. While those are all absolutely small reasons why you join a company, do not tell your hiring manager that. I remember, oh my God, I will never forget this. Years ago, I interviewed somebody and they said, I just really want to work at startups. I was like, awesome, what's your favorite startup? And they're like, Facebook. right they have thousands and thousands of employees that sure um so i would say there's two things that people can do to really stand out in interviews one call me old school but a thank you note yes an email is nice but i will never forget i had a candidate who had a great interview and when she was done with the interview she went downstairs wrote handwritten notes to every single person she interviewed with and specifically mentioned things that had come up in conversation. Like, for example, like, I hope you enjoy your trip to Thailand. It was great hearing blah, 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 blah. She hand wrote them in the lobby, left them with the front desk person. And then the front desk person like delivered them to our office within an hour of her interviewing. And I just remember being blown away because like no one does that anymore. So 
that was definitely one way to stand out. And then the other one, I don't know if it's just me and I'm curious to hear your opinion on this. When people don't ask the interviewer questions at the end, to me, that is one of my number one gripes. Yes. Like even if it was an incredible interview, I'm not saying that this will like shoot them in the foot and they won't get the job, but like I will definitely have red flags. So actually as a coach, when I work with clients who want to um, get coaching around interviewing and career moves. One of the things I do with them is we determine what are their core values? What are things that are important to them? And how does that equate to like a work environment? And then we come up with questions specifically around their values on what to ask the interviewer. For example, I was working with a client who hated the fact that in his current role, people weren't really held accountable. And he felt like some people on the team had to pick up the slack for others. And so we determined that when he was interviewing for his next job, he should ask a question, something along the lines of how are team members held accountable to make sure that he wasn't going to get himself in the same situation that he was in before. So having thoughtful questions is always a really awesome, for me, like way to stand out. I also remember somebody asking this question and then I started asking it in interviews, which is also really tough for the interviewer. But I remember being asked, what's your number one feature request that clients ask for? And I thought it was a brilliant question to point out the fact that we're not a perfect company and we're growing and this is the feedback we're getting and here's what we're doing about it. So thoughtful questions. What about you? What are some of the things that have stood out for you in interviews? That honestly is for sure one of them because that's one of my number one gripes is when someone does not come with any questions at all because in sales like that's so incredibly important honestly the quality of your conversations are so dependent on the quality of questions that you ask so to me when someone has no questions at the end of the interview it kind of indicates to me a you weren't actively listening b probably weren't paying attention because nothing I said in terms of like performance or what I look for is remotely interesting to you. And then see if you're not asking me like what qualities like make or differentiate the top performers from our team or like what the company culture is like, then I'm going to have a red flag in my mind that you don't care enough or maybe you're not even a top performer because you're not asking like these questions at all. So like those thoughtful questions are definitely very, very important. And also a little bit of research ahead of time goes a long, long way. Ari, I can't tell you how many times where, you know, I've interviewed someone and I asked them like, why so-and-so company? And they go like, honestly, like, I don't know. I just applied to a ton of jobs. And like, seriously? You're not even going to like fib a little bit to me and make me feel a little better. And I was in a interview with my most current company and like literally we're in an interview and we asked him like, so what research have you done on us? And the guy goes, nothing. And my interview partner, my fellow like manager said, well, how do you know you're not talking to the CEO of the company oh my God. right now? And he literally just blubbered, face got really red, tried to recover and say like, well, I I would treat uh, everyone exactly the same. And it was just, it just went downhill from there. 
like at that point spend a little time do a little bit of research because honestly the interview is a two-way street like if you don't do any research you're indicating to me that you don't really care about this job so why would i pick you over you know two or three other people that we're currently interviewing absolutely i think you just nailed it on the head interviews are a two-way street yes you want to impress your interviewer yes you want to answer their questions thoughtfully also obvious do not answer with like one word or one sentence i mean i've had interviews that are supposed to be 45 minutes and they last 12 minutes and i'm just like there's nothing else <laughs> there's nothing else here but yes they are a two-way street and moral of the story ask questions. I love it. This has been so fun. I feel like we could go on for hours because there's way more stories. Who knows? Maybe one day there'll be a part two of this. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for taking time out of your day as a busy manager to be involved and, and help me out and spread the message of what it's like to work at startups. I also want to give you an opportunity to have a not so shameless plug because I know there's so many awesome things that you're doing that you want to spread the word about. Yeah, I, I really want to take this opportunity and just chat a little bit of Society of Saleswomen, which is an organization that I co-founded with like two other amazing women. And our whole mission is really just to give women a platform to come together, similar in this fashion, right? To kind of like connect and empower and just share resources with each other. Because I think so often like women feel like pretty siloed. I hear so often about like boys club, especially in sales when it's a little bit like more male dominated. So it's more important now, like more so than ever to kind of come together and like make sure we build that network with each other and also share our experiences because I think there's strength in connectivity and like SOS has such a variety of like different events from like talks like this to skill development workshops to you know future like mentorship programs and, and whatnot so I encourage anyone whether you're in a sales traditional sales role or not the reality is like, I think every job out there has a component of sales, whether you're just like a business owner trying to gain more clients, or you're just trying to figure out how to like sell yourself in an interview, like Ari and I were talking about, there's a lot you can learn in that realm. So it's not just restricted to people with tr traditional like sales, like positions or titles. Um, everyone is like welcome to join and you know, you can find us on societyofsaleswomen.org or find us on any of the social media platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. But would love to hear from all of you and see you guys at future events. And I was going to say, I'll speak from experience as somebody who is not a salesperson at, or has never thought of myself as a salesperson that I've been to several events and they have been so incredibly rewarding and helpful. And um, I know the in-person one a couple months ago when you were interviewing a female executive was so eye-opening and just met awesome women at this event. That was incredible. And then the webinar you guys recently did um, with another female exec was super eye-opening to hear her share her stories. I just, every time I do anything with SOS, it's, I walk away feeling inspired. And so highly recommend anyone who's interested to really just have a community of strong, like-minded businesswomen to absolutely take a look at SOS. So thank you so much again, Melissa, for taking time out of your day for this. This has been an absolute blast and I hope we get to do it again. Yeah, this was so much fun, Ari. Thank Talk you. to you later.